surf kid on the North Shore and watching all the world's best surfers surf right in front of my house, surrounded with that level of talent, being around Ronnie and um, the likes of the, the Ho brothers and Marvin Foster and Mark Fu and Johnny Boy Gomes and Jerry Lopez in my life from a, when I was a little kid. Today we welcome Jamie Sterling to the Surf Strong Show. North Shore native, big wave surfer since the age of 16, 2011 WSL big wave world tour champion. He now runs Jamie Sterling Surf Experiences, taking people onto the North Shore, imparting his experience and expertise. He also travels with surfers throughout the world, searching out waves, imparting his knowledge. We talk about what it took to prepare for his big wave challenges, what he does now, his upcoming Molokai to Oahu paddle race. Let's get to our conversation with Jamie Sterling. I'd like to remind you to like, comment, subscribe to this and all of our episodes of the Surf Strong Show wherever you get your podcasts. For all show notes and links that we talk about in the episodes, you can go to surfstrongfit.com podcast for this and all the past episodes. Thanks for joining us. It really means a lot. Jamie, thank you for being on the Surf Strong Show. I really appreciate you taking the time to um, be on today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Happy to happy to be here to have a conversation with you today. So we kind of jump right into it. I really like to hear um, how surfing came into your life, and um, just maybe talk to me a little bit about just like your early years, um, where you grew up, kind of how the ocean and surfing kind of came into your life. Um, so yeah, I was blessed to grow up here on the North shore of Oahu, um, born in 81. So I'm 42 years old now. And, um, we always lived, uh, either like right on the beach on the North shore or a couple houses back from the beach. So, uh, my dad was a surfer from Manhattan beach, LA, uh, moved here, uh, right out of high school to go to college, ended up on Kauai. And then he ended up on the North shore after Kauai. And uh, yeah, I moved here for surfing. And so he he was uh, super instrumental in uh, paving the way for me to become a surfer and got me onto the front of his surfboard when I was probably, I don't know, around three years old or so. And um, But even before that, I was swimming and playing in the water and then kind of just, you know, naturally progressed um, to becoming a little North Shore surf kid on the North Shore and watching um all the world's best surfers surf right in front of my house you know in my backyard basically and just surrounded with that that level of talent and and the immense power of the waves that we have here in hawaii so to me that's kind of all i knew you know i, I just thought that waves are always big waves are always powerful surfing you know is kind of just that's when you're used to something you get watch something from a young age you soak it up and i kind of soaked it up and got a good good early start um later down the track my parents divorced uh, my mom remained on the north shore and she started um dating um ronnie burns which is one of the pipelines best surfers ever um he also grew up on the north shore uh so he mentored me for about five years while he was in my life before he passed away at the young age of 27 um 
but being around Ronnie and um, the likes of the, the whole brothers and Marvin Foster and Mark Fu and Johnny Boy Gomes and Jerry Lopez, um, all those people were in my life from a, when I was a little kid, you know, I remember watching Ronnie surf at Jerry's house at pipeline, which is now the welcome house. But back then Jerry owned it with Herbie Fletcher and, um, just was around all those, those heavyweight world-class, you know, surfers and stuff. So, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with it. And then the other part of the catalyst for me growing up here was having a good friend, uh, Mark Healy. Um, him, he and I, uh, grew up on the North shore. Um, so we grew up on the same street. Um, and, uh, I spent a lot of time at his house, um, coming from single family home, um, spent a lot of dinners and evenings at his, at his house, uh, with his family. So Mark and I kind of became competitive with each other and going out and surfing, you know, more serious, bigger waves than the other kids my age. Um, so that was helpful to have a kid, a friend that also wanted to progress their surfing and, you know, bigger waves than just the inside waves. So that was super helpful. Um, having Mark as, so to speak, a sparring partner, same age, lived like three houses away from me. So I think, you know, everything's just meant to happen the way it is. And, um, yeah, here I am today, still living on the North shore and, you know, kind of doing pretty much the same thing I've been doing my whole life. But now I'm in that field of, uh, passing the torch and, and, uh, sharing my knowledge that I've gained the last 40 plus years out here to traveling surfers and visitors and other professional surfers. And, and um, when you paddle out now in winter and you're paddling out, there's probably times where like, you'll have this reflection, whether it's back on a specific moment or just a, an era of that early part of your life, what feels like home? Like what feels the same on that? paddle out that first touch of the ocean and what feels different it can be positive or negative but what are those kind of um things that feel the same to you paddling out now and what feels different uh on a sensory level i mean it's just this the coarse north shore sand that we have and the smell of you know the bar of wax and the bumps on your board and the the water sloshing against the bottom of your fiberglass board and that's what i remember from when i was like three on my dad's board still hear that sound so that's very much the same you know sensory things that i still hear um i guess on a different things that are different now it's just there's just more people in the lineups, but the lineup itself doesn't change as far as like what you're triangulating and where you're like, what you're lining up with, like what house or what tree, 
because the waves don't really change because we have just reef bottoms here so that they stay the same for the most part. Um, change a little bit, maybe on swell direction and tide, but for the most part, there's more people, but I just do a good job of not really looking at the people and just sticking to my my lineups that are, you know, very um, pronounced for me and just distinguished lineups that I know. So that helps me um, find the better waves because I would say 80% of the crowd on any given day basis is visitors mm. being that Hawaii is um, such a expensive place to live. A lot of the locals have to work constantly there are two or three jobs here so most of the time there's not a lot of locals in the water actually it's mostly a lot of visitors so and the visitors don't really have as much knowledge as say someone like myself so i just kind of don't look at the people look at the at the lineups and that's that's kind of my secret yeah yeah to, to finding the the better waves and then of course you know there's I guess there's more, there's more just tourists in general, um, on the North shore. Cause back then there, it wouldn't be like, um, so much a tourist destination for non-surfers to come out here. Mm. They would always just stay in Waikiki, but now it's kind of like a, um, it's a, it's a bucket list item to come to the North shore now. Mm. So there's just more population of surfers and non-surfers just coming to the North shore too. So Whether even people that don't really waves. have a connection to surfing, there are coming more as a, a tourist destination, maybe see some surfing or others, but it's not really the reason that they're coming. Yeah. Not the reason they're coming. They're coming just to see the surfing or see a turtle, uh -huh. you know, maybe take a beginner surf lesson. Mm -hmm. um, maybe go shark cage diving or a shark or a cage di or, a, mm -hmm. or a non cage dive with sharks out here or go skydiving there's all the, there's a, some of those are bucket list items for non-surfers mm -hmm. to come to the north shore whereas before that not, a lot of those mm -hmm. industries didn't exist and they'd have no business being out here like they wouldn't come here because it was far you know it's an hour drive from the city so right. so in general it's just more people mm -hmm. but so what the one thing you... that stays the same is the is the waves you know the waves don't change really and they, yeah. they stay true to their their same form and shape and quality. Yeah. With the, with the just abundance of world-class waves in that stretch, if, if everything being the same, meaning the quality is the same in, in any given time, which of course is never going to be the case. There's always going to be some variation. If you had to choose one or two waves in that stretch to, to, to surf, do you have that? Or is it really just depending on it? I mean, is it always sunset if it's there? I know you're known for surfing that wave a lot. It, is there, is it, is that changed over the years or do, do you really have just, you know, whatever's going that day is where you're going to go. Um, I would say currently, yeah, sunset's my go-to wave. It's kind of changed in the last 10 years. I used to surf a lot more pipeline when I was younger. Um, being that I'm goofy foot. Uh, I love to, I love, I still love surfing out there, but I don't surf it as much just because of the consequences and how crowded it is now. Um, so you kind of have to weigh out the, you know, the consequences. Are you really ready to take a hit on the reef and, and things like that? You know, so 
Um, definitely more picky and choosy when I surf pipe. So nowadays I surf sunset more and, and sunset's definitely the more consistent wave, the most consistent wave on the North shore. Cause it's, it breaks from one, you know, it breaks from one to two foot, three foot, perfect longboarding waves to shortboarding. Then it moves into like the, the mini gun step up board realm. And then from there you go into your gun realm. So it'll break from two to you know, 30 foot faces on any given day and any time of year. So handles the most swell directions, Northwest, North, Northeast, West, West, Northwest. Mm -hmm. So that's my go-to. Um, and then I like surfing, like for, want to surf like a left. I like surfing, like on a smaller day, I was like, surf, I still like surfing Rocky point grew up in that, that neighborhood a lot when I was younger, I lived at Rocky point. So that's kind of my, my go-to, you know, shortboard hot dog wave mm -hmm. if I'm not surfing sunset. Mm -hmm. Nice. Now, as you were going through like, um, your, your career and your training and kind of the evolution of your own surfing from what you're talking about, just being a Grom and you and Mark Healy getting kind of pushing each other as you were kind of preparing for this, you know, more significant wave, this, this larger, you know, wave faces more water moving around what were you doing outside of the water to kind of prepare for that much more significant wave? um well to tell you the truth when i was pre like before high school i didn't really have too much of a training background it was kind of just surf you know just go surf seven days a week you know just surf your butt off just be a kid. Um, it wasn't really until I got into high school, like ninth grade, it's kind of when I signed up It's one of my electives to was, was weight training. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got, um, immersed into this, into lifting weights and, and working out and, you know, being on more of a nutrition plan. And that's kind of was like the base for me in my, in my training. And I've never stopped since ninth grade, mm -hmm. um, with my, with my training. And of course it's gotten, uh, way more varied as opposed to just lifting weights. It's, it's a, you know, I try to be very diverse and never replicating the same thing I did yesterday and what I'm doing today. It's always, it's always different to keep it interesting to keep it fun as well as to not, you know, let the body get adapted to what, what my training is, you know, it's the constant thing of muscle confusion and, 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 and keep confusing your body. So it doesn't, plateau mm -hmm. um so yeah i would say high school was kind of like my my starting point and and uh, you know had, i've gotten to work with different trainers and different types of training and and i just try to keep it really um fun and diverse so and i finally i get the best results that way and keep it interesting yeah so like on a on a week now so so present day like a week now now i know obviously it's summer you know some surf but it's not like it's it's winter um on the north shore so surfing less large waves what's like your average week look like like what does an average week look like for you for you know your mobility some of your strength what are you doing for your breath um other endurance things just kind of kind of walk through a little week what that looks like for you um it's like three days a week i'm doing like heavy strength work mm -hmm. 
whether that's like a strict press, you know, front squats, deadlifts, mm -hmm. like a heavy three by five, three, three sets of five reps. Mm -hmm. I get that in every week just to maintain like super strong muscles. And then um, other days I'm incorporating like circuits with kettlebells and pull-ups, um, body weight exercises, um, kettlebell like um, flows, different, you know, flows with the kettlebell. Um, and then also incorporating on the front end of both of, of those workouts, as well as the strength workouts, I've incorporated like foundation training mm -hmm. to get that, turn on that isometric power and um, kind of like get the muscles warmed up between the tension of inward tension and outward tension with your, with your arms or legs. Um, so that's been, that's been really beneficial, um, for corrective posture and that stuff. And then I've been a big advocate of doing yoga since I was about oh, 18 years old, I adapted a yoga practice. Um, and I went on to get my 200 hour yoga teacher certification with Ian Finn from Blissology Yoga uh, about, about 10 years ago. I did that. And I still maintain a, a yoga practice. Um, and then there's also the beach workouts come into play, the run, swim, runs, um, the underwater um, dumbbell or rock running or dumbbell training in the pool for breath holding capacity stuff that I'm doing. And then there's, um, long distance prone paddle boarding, which I'm doing like every other day this summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all of it right there. And in kind of a, you know, summarization of what I'm doing. Yeah. That's um, a pretty so full it's, week. It, it, <laughs> it pretty, yeah. So it's, there's always something, you know, it's, you're not just doing the same workout in a, in a, you know, gym environment. Sometimes you're taking it to the ocean or the beach or, or a pool. Um, and then it's not just yoga, it's foundation plus yoga. So the, the foundation and the yoga, um, are very helpful, uh, for mobility and, um, just to kind of tap into your body and go inside and see what needs attention after you've, you know, strained it with heavy lifts or, or, a you know, a CrossFit style kettlebell workout with barbells or power cleans and things like that. So yeah, keep it, like I said, it's just, it's about just, uh, keeping it fun because once things aren't fun, then it's becomes unmotivating and then you just don't do it. So it's gotta, you gotta stay motivated first and foremost to stay on your fitness routine. Um, and I think having something that motivates you to do it is really important. Like the why has got to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, like, why are you getting up in the morning to go to the gym? You know, there's, it's gotta be something, something beyond just yourself. I feel like maybe doing it for somebody else mm -hmm. or you're doing it for a, a sport that you're, you know, trying to maintain or get better at, or you want to be strong at so you can do it better. So it's got to come down to the why because as soon as you lose the why and the motivation then you just start plateauing and start skipping you know those workouts and yeah it's much harder to stay it's much harder to stay consistent because you're right you start this friction is always there and you're right something larger than yourself it's interesting because with 
uh, with clients that I have right now, now all my clients are, are surfers, but, but before when I was just starting coaching and training, when I had more non-surf um, clients, you know, they would come and, and they would talk about their motivation and they would talk about, you know, I just had a, my, my daughter just had a grandson and I want to be here for him and I want to be strong. And it's interesting because what I was finding was that's absolutely true. I mean, you can't probably have something more um, motivating than to be there for your family. But what's interesting is when you do start to um, detach from that, it, it, it sometimes will, doesn't sustain the motivation that you need. Like intellectually, they're absolutely right. That's what's motivating. But sometimes in the moment, like for us, that's what we're so lucky is to have surfing. We want to keep that in our life. It's so intense. And to keep that elevated um, activity in our life takes a lot. Like the description of just what you said for your week is intense for a lot of people. But it's what you need to do to maintain that level of uh, experience and surfing at that high level. And that's what's great for us is to do that family and your own health and everything below it gets to come along for the ride. And surfing is what keeps us motivated. So that's really great. And for those that... um. Jamie was mentioning um, foundation training, and um, you can go back. I had Peter Park on the podcast uh, a few episodes ago, um, and that was great. He helped with um, Dr. Goodman to create foundation training. And to go back and listen to the Peter Park episode for anybody interested in it um, is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal athlete and and an incredible um, coach and trainer. So foundation training is that connection, like you mentioned, like you're checking in all this work that you just did, this intense work, you're going back and checking in, like, how do I feel right now? Is there something that needs more attention? Is, is there something that I need to give some more work and help to? So it is a great way to check back in. Yeah, yeah. It's the foundation is like uh, checking in, but also learning to put, you know, the heavy weight into your hips, not into your joints, you know, not into your knees, you know, that our hips are meant to, to bear the weight and like the gorilla lifts in foundation or the woodpeckers. Yeah. Those are awesome. You know, just great modalities to, um, it's just like, the, it's, it, it's this, uh, it's a second layer or it's like this other layer of strength that you don't get from just like pushing weight. It's like this like inward tension or outward tension mm -hmm. that, that you, you don't get any, in any other modality of training really. Yeah. Um, it's so it's, 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 it's great because it just, it's, it's put this other, it's giving me more strength, another layer of strength outside of like the explosive strength of kettlebell swings or the heavy lifts of a front squat or back squat. It's, it's just another, another spice to add to the, to the repertoire. And, um, my list may seem long of like what I do, but it's, it's not like there's no rush really. Right. It's just every day being motivated to do something for an hour or, or 20 to 30 minutes or what, however long you have in your daily life. But for me, it's been helpful to be the more diverse I have, the more diversity I have, it's, I look at it like it's like my plate of food, like 
do I want to eat beans and rice every day? No. And so I look at it like my workouts. Do I want to do push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups every day? No. I, they're in there somewhere during the week or the, you know, the workout, but it's, there's so many modalities and different lifts and things to add to your repertoire to keep it interesting. And I guess when you've been on such a long fitness train since you're 15 years old, think probably you for someone like me i need that diversity because it just keeps it so i don't get burned out but then I, my why is so great that yeah yeah i can't really afford to not do something on yeah. a daily you know and then of course there's also these other modalities too like the the, the contrast therapy with heat and ice mm-hmm. i've incorporated that into my life and that's been helpful and then you have you know the CBD oils out there and the tinctures that help with recovery and um, pretty, pretty, um, pretty awesome in this day and age of all the different things we have, you know, the Theraguns and yeah. all these different little things. They just, every little bit helps, you know? And it's great to, um, like you mentioned, like, you know, doing things with body weight training and, and, and the foundation training. It's also great to, um, know that at any point you don't need this outside stimulus to raise the intensity of the thing that you're doing um that both is empowering you can you can internalize and raise like like you were mentioning some of the forms like when i have people do you know like for the first time they get introduced like to just to the founder and i'm like okay hold this hold this right here mm-hmm. contraction without tension be there in that place and you can just see it mm-hmm. like you can just see them starting to shake and it it it, it kind of dawns on them like oh wow like to, to keep this intensity without tension and and to stay focused it's also freeing because it used to be before when my when when my practice in my coaching was was based in a physical place when i had a studio now it's remote and people are all over what that did was it used to be, oh, I'm going on this trip, so I'll see you when I get back. And I always was working on like, no, it doesn't stop. Like wherever you are going, wherever your body is, that's where your program is. It's right there. Every yeah. time you wake up, that's your program. And now exactly, everybody's everybody's on their own journey, right? And so now it take now it, it's freeing because I go, you know. You mentioned like, you know, doing crunches and push-ups and squats every day. But when they go there, I'm like, there's your daily. That's your that's your bare ass minimums every day. Do push-ups, do squat, mm-hmm. do some crunch contraction, mm-hmm. do some breathing. There's no reason that that can't happen. So when you come back from at your, least get the basics in. Yeah. 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 You get those at those, least do at least do the body weight stuff to do the yoga and stuff that you don't need anything. Yeah. You don't even need a mat. Yeah. All you need is your body and that's it. It's a, it's yeah. empowering. And then you can see it in some people. They're like, Oh man, you're right. Like I don't have that excuse at all. Like I'm like, no, you got to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk about the, the paddle race that you're training for and, and kind of describe for people that don't know what this annual um, race is all about and some of the history of it. Um, this, this race in Hawaii and I think around the world is one of the most famous sought after races. Um, it's 32 miles. It starts on Molokai. 
and goes to um, Oahu across the Kaivi Channel. It's the same same channel that the late great Eddie Aikau lost his life when they set sail on the Hokulea boat. Um, so it's a pretty intense uh, current, you know, very high current, um, really high surf, high choppy, rough channel. Um, you know, so it's uh, mostly a down, it's a suppose, I mean, as long as the wind cooperates, it should be a downwind paddle. Um, and uh, you're, it's really fun if the wind's correct. It's you're riding you know, you're riding waves and chops for the most part, um, and linking the bumps together as you would on a paddleboard race in, in, you know, choppy water. Uh, so I'm, I'll be on a 12 foot, um, board and I'm going to be doing it, um, with a partner. So it'll be like a relay. So I'll paddle for 30 minutes and then we'll switch and he'll paddle for 30 minutes. Colin Steinberg is joining me. Um, he's a, um, Hawaiian city and County lifeguard. And so we'll be, yeah, we'll just be partnering through that. And, um, I've done it, I've done it once Mm -hmm. and on a stand-up paddle, I've done it, um, about 10 years ago with a partner, um, Tucker Ingalls did it with me way back when, um, and that was really fun, uh, on a stand-up. So this will be my first time on a prone, prone board. Um, and it's been good. It's been giving me. Again, it's been giving me another why and another motivator this summer, um, being in Hawaii on the, you know, it's pretty small, and a lot of flat days on the North shore. Um, so it's been giving me that, that extra why factor to stay fit during summer. And that's just only going to make me more prepared for this coming El Nino season that they're, you know, forecasting. So I looked at it like it was a good summer to partake in this channel crossing because i'm going to get super fit and it's going to just roll right into you know a month later it's september and then that's kind of when we start to get our first few swells on the north shore so uh it's been a it's been a good thing to just keep me on track yeah what's the average um time it takes to do that 30 mile 32 mile race um depending on what board you're on there's I know, you know, Jamie Mitchell was like the king of this race for like 10 years in a row. He, he won it many times. Um, there's been other guys since him and before him, um, that are dominating the sport. Um, so it depends, you know, like those guys are on like, I think 18 foot boards. So they're generally faster. They're on a, you know, bigger craft. Um, I think those guys are coming in at like four and a half to five hours, the fastest guys. Um, I'd say average time is probably more like seven hours, six to seven hours is like average, but there's stand up paddle boarding. There's this year, there's uh foil boarding. Wow. So those guys will do it in like three hours, probably wow. the, foil board guys. the winds cooperating, right? They're just riding those swells as best they can on those foils. Yeah. So they'll be riding a big, high, high aspect, super large foils. So they'll be. Yeah, they'll be the fastest. And then after that, it'll be probably the, the 18 foot prone or the 18 foot stand up paddle wow. teams or, or, you know, guys that are doing it solo. Um, I'm not an elite paddler in the world, in the paddling world, but um, I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to finish around six hours or so with my partner. It would be, it's kind of my goal. Yeah. So we'll see how we go. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. Now, when's that coming up? What's yeah. the date for that? 
That's July 30th. Oh, so wow. we're just a few weeks away. Oh, all right. And I've been training since, uh, paddling since the end of April, every other day for this, for this race. Now, is it kind feeling, of feeling like, good? Is it kind, body's feeling good? Nice. Is it kind of like how, um, like I've, I've, I've done some triathlons and I've trained some people that were doing some marathons where you're kind of extending out the miles that you do. You never maybe fully reach that 32, uh, mile capacity between you and your partner, but are you starting to kind of like, is that how you kind of did it? Kind of stack more miles on each mm -hmm. week? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to what you would do in the gym and um, stacking on five, five pounds, you know, every day you go back mm -hmm. until you reach a point to where you kind of stay, stay at that weight. But yeah, we just kind of started with three to five miles and worked into the double digits. And now we're kind of up to that. Like currently I think we're doing about like 15 miles now. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, feeling, feeling really good. Um, and then it just kind of comes to that point to where we kind of taper back training, maybe about yeah. a week away. Yeah. Make sure you fully recover. Get the body more. Yeah. Yeah. More recovery and more yoga, more foundation, and, mm -hmm. um, more just cardio and less, less tax, you know, shave the shoulders for the race day. But yeah, yeah. You just kind of work up to it. Yeah. Just similar to what you'd be doing in the gym, just working up your reps or your weight, Yeah, you know, like, like make that right. extended level be your quote unquote norm, right? It's amazing how exactly. the mind and the body just adapt to like, oh, well, this, mm -hmm. this is the norm now. As long as, of course, you're giving it the nutrition and the recovery and you're not overusing, it's amazing how much of it is that, 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 that mental capacity to just train of like, oh, this is my norm. And, and that's how people can achieve such amazing things with that consistent repetition making sure they recover. I mean, you can accomplish more than you can possibly dream of if you progress in that way. That goes back to like the basics that you're talking about. Doing those minimums every day is amazing how much it gives you that foundation to then set a goal for something that might feel totally outside of what we can achieve. As you start to increase that, then it's like, oh, this is my norm now. And then I go farther yeah. and farther. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, the body and the mind are very adapt adaptable. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether it's getting stronger or running farther, paddling farther, or lifting heavier, um, I'm seeing it like this week. Currently, our kids are enrolled in the Hawaiian Junior Lifeguard Program, and it's happening on the beach at Pipeline this week um, for the next three weeks. But they're just in; they do a one week each. Each class does one week, so they're doing. This is their week right now, and every day they start with a with a run swim run. It's a like a hundred yard, like two hundred yard run, and like a two hundred yard swim, and another two hundred yard run, a run swim run, and each day everybody's chip, you know, their time is getting faster, and it's you know, going into the guarding, going into the class, the kids are nervous, mm -hmm. and now they're like their confidence and their times are way better like confidence is as a time is better and it's the same yeah you see it on you see it with the kids you see it with the adults it's yeah. just yeah. it's just the human body is pretty cool like that yeah anybody out there listening a lot of people will be really familiar with it but even if you don't live right at the beach and you can you can coordinate um coming to a, a local junior lifeguard program um, for your kids, it is one of the most powerful ways to 
not only introduce them to the ocean if they haven't done that yet, but to kind of what we were exactly what we were just saying is, is they will achieve more in that week than they can ever imagine. Uh, my daughter's 15 now, and we had her as soon as she was eligible age-wise to do it. She was same thing, nervous. And then all the other kids are kind of in the same boat. And, you know, I live in Morro Bay, California, and like she's going from the back bay paddling prone all the way out to the mouth of the harbor. She would never do that with me. Be like, oh, I can't do that. And we're out of the we're out of the equation. She's with her peers. They're safe. They've got lifeguards around and they just achieve so much. And it's just so powerful for them to be exposed to the ocean and then start to see just what we're talking about. Oh, my gosh, I can do way more than I can imagine I can do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's and that's the important take is I think providing kids the opportunity to learn something with other kids that are same age. Mm -hmm then they push each other. Mm -hmm. So the peer thing is super important. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously learning from the best, you know, best watermen in the world. Yeah. And, and then they're learning life skills to not only, you know, protect themselves, but they can help now in the community or learn how to, you know, save somebody if need be, or perform CPR if needed, you know, provide first aid all these different things, but in, and then it, all the camaraderie, all the, like the friendly competition that exists amongst it. It's yeah, it's definitely one of the better programs that, that's, uh, that I take in. I'm a, I'm a, you know, a graduate from the junior lifeguard program here on the North Shore. I took it when I was young right. and, and I'm sorry, sure you remember the memories from it. I'm sure are very stark. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm showing up and I'm showing up there in the morning working, doing the workout portion with them in the morning, I'm doing the run swim runs and it's bringing back, uh, the same maybe emotions I once felt when I was, you know, 12 years old. Oh, that's pretty fun. That full circle is just, that stuff is just so fun. So as you were kind of, um, going through your career and you were starting to get into, you know, some of this larger wave and it kind of co coincided with those large wave competitions and and people going into those um it kind of lined up with when that started to get more and more exposure so just talk a little bit about um those memories that you have you know certainly let i'd love to hear about you know the 2011 wsl big wave championship that you you were part of like just kind of talk about what it was with you know other people from the north shore that were going and and that just kind of de developing into what's become, of course, a worldwide phenomenon for a lot of people that aren't even connected to the surf world. Yeah, the um, the big wave thing, I think it appeals um, universally just because it's so awe inspiring looking at images or videos. Like when you see a huge wave, I think a non surfer is, you know, excited to, to, to view that footage and, 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 and watch, watch that footage just cause it's kind of that gladiatorial man versus nature, um, you know, film mm -hmm. and everyone loves to see humans being challenged in the most, you know, powerful way. Um, but I was fortunate enough, um, with my background of like having a lot of really good mentors here on the North shore and then being pushed into that, 
and 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 like not really pushed but like pushed in a good way mm-hmm. um and i had um a sponsor come along which was red bull like in 2002 and they were just kind of breaking on into the extreme sports world and i was one of the first surfboard surfers to get sponsored by red bull uh way back in the early 2000s and they they really helped me propel my career um to keep chasing my dream of riding big waves and they sent me all around the world and there was a couple standalone events like red bull had a contest in south africa um in cape town um, that we would surf that wave dungeons annually um there was always the eddy and then there was like the mavericks contest and then there was the dungeons contest but there was never really like a tour and then gary linden created this dream tour of kind of connecting the dots to these places. And there was Chile and Peru, a spot uh, in Oregon, Lincoln City and El Scott Reef was on it. And then Mavericks was on it and then fell off of it. But there was good, good amount of contests to actually have a tour. And it was 24 guys, um, six man final, six man heats. Um, so that was really cool because prior to 2000 and prior to 2009, there was no tour. It was just, you would get invited to select events and travel to South Africa or be a part of the Mavericks or the Eddie. And then, yeah, Gary formulated this really cool tour and Carlos Berlay was the inaugural winner. He won the first one. I went and won, I I got I won the second one in 20, 2011. Peter Mel was, I think, the third. And then I think it was Greg Long or Twiggy, maybe the following year. But it was, yeah, it was just up until that point before the tour, it was, I kind of just made my living or my, my keep with my sponsors by more like marketing and videos and photos. I didn't compete a lot maybe once a year at the Eddie, if that happened or the, the Mavericks or the dungeons contest, but I didn't do a lot of contests, but it was came second nature for me to compete in big waves. Cause that's just where I excelled, you know, that's, that was kind of my niche in the surf world. And that's kind of what separated me from other kids, my age to get to where I am today was I found my niche. I found my real passion where I really excelled. Um, and then, yeah, having won that contest, definitely one of the the bigger, you know, competitive highlights of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not to say maybe I didn't get the best waves of my life on that tour, but definitely competitive wise is definitely the, def- the best result mm-hmm. on a you know, competitive level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, I don't know, unfortunately, I think years to follow the WSL kind of came in and almost, I don't know, they, it seems like they almost like buried it because mm-hmm. now it doesn't really even exist. Uh, unfortunately, there's not, they have a Nazare toe event and a one event at Jaws. So it's not really like a tour anymore, mm-hmm. but hopefully, I don't know, so one, one day maybe they can bring something back that, that was so cool and grassroots like that because I think a lot of the big wave guys um, – love doing it Mm -hmm. and i think it still could be a really good thing because as we were saying like how inspirational Mm -hmm. 
the content that comes out of those events or those sessions is so powerful, even as to a non-surfer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's huge because there's more people that don't surf than surf. So if we can appeal to the masses, I think that's, you're going to get way more success than just appealing to our small surf community and surf industry, as opposed to if you can appeal to the world yeah. plus our industry, then you got a pretty good product yeah. to market and to, um, you know, to show, to show, you know, around the world and all that. But I'm not, you know, I don't really have anything to do with it anymore. Um, nowadays yeah, I'm parlaying all my knowledge into the clients and the, the people that, that, you know, hire me for mm-hmm. whether it's training to get stronger or, or just to be, you know, safe while they're on their vacation here in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit um, about that. You, you kind of, um, you're, Jamie Sterling surf experiences kind of have a couple facets, which you just kind of talked on a little bit, preparing people for surf um, when they come to the North shore, giving them an experience there. And then, and then you're also um, going with people on, you know, international trips. Is that right? Where you're going to a different destination with them? Just kind of talk a little. Bit yeah. About that. Yeah. So, you know, I cater to all levels. Um, I'll even do the beginner tourist bucket surf lesson, mm-hmm. you know, like come to Hawaii, learn how to surf. You know, it's, I don't really feel people really learn how to surf. It's more just like a experience. Yeah. You're introducing them to this amazing. Thing. I'm introducing yeah. them to this amazing thing on a, you know, 10 foot or 11 foot soft top. And I'm, it's like, I call it ballet surfing. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you when to paddle, I'm pushing you in the wave I'm telling you when to stand up. And then I'm coming in to like help you get back out if you don't have the muscle strength to paddle back out. Yeah. But uh, so I cater to that, but I also cater to the most extreme toe surfing session you you might want to do. So it's from like A to Z. Like I, I offer all services and everything in between. If you want to go surf sunset on a 10 foot day, like, and you have the experience level to do it. Or, you know, so I'll take you out there if, if, if I feel you're fit enough or deemed, you know, good enough surfer to go out with me and I'll take care of you and I'll show you the, I'll show you my lineups and help you catch the ways of your life. Um, so I do, I do that. And then I, um, I even do like consultation before you even come to the North shore. I, I try to help you get on a training program, tell you the things you should be doing. Um, talk about the equipment that you should be i do consultation you want to come to you have a trip coming up in the fall or let's just say it's yeah you have a trip coming up in september it's july right now start talking to you about ordering boards you know where you want to surf what your goals are you know a lot of your boards if you're from let's just say california and you only surf small ways but you want to surf sunset this winter I'll suggest ordering a board from a local Hawaiian shaper that's been state shaping boards for sunset for decades, you know, and you don't have to travel with it. It will be sitting here when you get here and you'll be on the right equipment. Um, what's your training program? Like I'll get you, I'll suggest, you know, you start doing X, Y, and Z. Um, what's your diet looking like? Suggest some diet, you know, changes. Um, that way, at least when you get here, you're, you're as prepared as you can be without being here yet. And then once you're here, then I can, we can even fine tune things even more and, and we can work one-on-one together, you know, at, at my gym or, um, or in the water together one-on-one. 
Um, so it, it starts now and the planning starts now. Um, but yeah, I do one-offs too. Like if you don't, if you don't, con if you contact me and you're already here and yeah, I'll be happy to take you out and take you to the best waves on the day, wherever they, wherever they are for your level. So it's a, a very, uh, tailored experience to the client's needs and to what their goals are and what their surfing abilities and fitness abilities are on the day that the booking happens. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's, it's not a one size fits all at all. It's yeah, very it, tailored. It's also standards. powerful too, to, um, what their, uh, expectation is of something or what their, their own perceived experience level is. And then they get hit by the first wave in Hawaii and they're like, Oh yeah, this is completely different. So you're, you know, you, you're keeping them safe, not just safe, but also the ability to have a progressively better experience because that first uh, Hawaiian wave that hits them is a wake up call. Definitely. Yeah. Being in Hawaii for your first time, if you've never been, it's the, the waves hit harder here, you know, um, no doubt. they move faster here. We don't have, we don't have the continental shelf that, the United States has it slows it down before it actually hits the sandbar, hits the reef. There, we just they come in faster. That's why foam is your friend. You know, riding a, a thicker, wider, longer board is going to be more beneficial to you, especially if you don't know the wave. You know, there's guys that have been surfing here for decades and they know the wave, so they already have the upper hand on you. So you can't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, you know, fitness and equipment that, that, that goes hand in hand with, with it all. So mm -hmm. I'm here to help you, uh, you know, not, not make the mistakes that most people make, you know, without constant, you know, consultating with, uh, an expert like myself. Yeah. Um, you know, you're just going to have that much more of an enjoyable trip. Plus you're going to get that many more memorable waves and not, you're not going to be wasting days looking for waves and not knowing where to go because the wind switched and it looks on shore at sunset, but I know where exactly where it is offshore down the road. A lot, a lot of little nooks and crannies and a lot of little changes of, uh, of, of, of where that's at makes all the difference. It's an Island. You can go a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> It's an island and, and there's always offshore waves and your days are numbered here, right? You, you may only have four days and you don't want to waste any of them. So that's, it's kind of what I'm here for is to not waste any of your travel days and just get you the best ways of your life while doing it safely yeah. under the watchful eye of, of myself and my friends. You know, I also incorporate other friends into the program that help me um, if I have, you know, larger groups. So it's, it varies, can be one-on-one -on -one, privates, or if you have a group of friends, I bring in other guys of my caliber to help watch. And then I also have jet ski services, uh, water safety services for the outer reefs, you know, towing, um, foil boarding excursions. Um, even if you want to just go and watch and take some photos, um, off the safety of my jet ski, that's also available. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's so powerful because th this is one of the things that like for, for my clients and advocating, but also just trying to, to communicate out is, you know, w we, we know people that are like going on this, it's considered their, like their trip of their lifetime or one of, of what they hope is many they say they're going to Indo or they're going to somewhere of this, of this caliber. 
and they're spending all this money to get there. They're spending, if they're going on a boat trip, they're spending that. If they're going to a resort, they're spending that. And I, and I want to say to them, like, you book this, sometimes it's a year out. Like, take the time and invest in yourself to prepare for that trip. Because if it's there and it's firing and you have, say, seven days at this one resort, like, you want to get everything out of every minute that you can. And if you're not ready for it and can't recover that next day, you're going to be not ready to surf again. And so I'm, I'm just always mm-hmm. like, it's almost like this public service announcement, you know? Yes, we do this for totally, yeah. we're coaches, but it's really like, I just want you to have an amazing experience and put the time and the work in now and it will pay huge dividends for you down the road. Huge dividends. I mean, even for myself, it's 80% preparation, yeah. 20%, you know, spent time in the water. The rest yeah. of the time it's preparing like, like this race I'm doing. I've been preparing since the end of April and it's going to be, you know, spending months of this and it's going to be five or six hours of paddling and then and it's done, but I've spent countless hours to get ready for that, those six hours that I'm going to be racing. And it's the same. It's everything that I've ever done. That's been a great achievement, like winning the world title. It's one day of like each contest is it happens in one day. I surf for a total of three hours on that day to win that event, three hours, but I spend maybe 90 minutes at least every day of the week training for that event. And again, it just comes down to preparation. And then, you know, and then also the, the mentorship of, of equipment and diet, and that all falls in lines with preparation. And then it's like your, your two hour session could be the two hour session of your life. Those months of preparing will definitely be worthwhile for those two hours or that week of, of glorious, you know, wave riding time and you're going to create lifelong memories of that trip or that you know destination or wherever it is or whatever the goal is it gets got it you've got to prepare if you want the the highest success rate of and the and the and to have the best time and it is like it it it, it does sound a little simplified and cliche but enjoying the journey uh, it's, it's so, that is so powerful because it's kind of like one of those things, like once you put something on the calendar, right? Like stay away from surfing and, and physical preparation, just anything like you buy tickets for a live music concert, right? As soon as it's on the calendar, you're already starting to enjoy that. And so this is kind of like that mm-hmm. same thing. If you're really vested in the journey of that, then you're, yeah. you're lifting what that experience is going to be and so the memories when they come from that are that much more powerful and 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 that much that much sharper if you will it's just enjoying that day-to-day goes back to what we said earlier it's the consistency is waking up yeah and sometimes sometimes the and sometimes the journey can be better than the destination itself yeah the people you meet along your journey the, the friends you make on the airplane or in the airport or like the people I'm meeting this summer for paddleboarding, this whole new like community that I'm delving into and meeting and the relationships I'm establishing. These are the things that are currently on my journey. And then the destination's coming, but just enjoy the journey and 
you know, it's, it's a lot of the time it's, it's about the desk, it's about the journey, not the destination. And the destination is like the boat, the destination is the bonus. Cause you, you may or may not make the destination. You don't know. There's, there could be a lot of trials and tribulations during that year before your Indo trip, you know, yeah. you don't, you never know. It's like a goal, but you just got to put one foot in front of the other day after day and have that golden carrot dangling there and being like, this is why I'm doing this job. This, you know, maybe the job, you know, maybe the job's stressful and it's like, why am I doing this? But it's like, at the end of the day, you have one thing in mind, you want to get to that surf trip yeah. and you want to ride those waves that you've always dreamed of. So you got to put in the work. I guess it all kind of is all just a bunch of different ways that we can say about um, working day to day on presence, right? It's just like, that's mm -hmm. what it is. And that's what I say so often, um, people that are in my life or that I meet and they ask us like, why surfing? Like, why does that get you up at 530 in the morning to go jump in where I am cold water? And I, and, and you, I've, I kind of always struggled with how to explain that. How do you explain this experience of somebody that's never experienced before. And what, what I've come down to realize is it, it, I know when I get in that water, waves are just the bonus. It's just being in that connected, that connected to the ocean. I can't be anywhere else. I'm absolutely right there. If I'm somewhere else, surfing isn't going to happen. There's just too many circles moving, too many things going on. You have to be absolutely right there. And it's just that reminder and, and knowing that I have to be right there just keeps me wanting to get back into that space again, because everything else goes away. And it also puts it back into the perspective, like this thing that I'm so worried about, like, it's not that big a deal. It's going to be fine. Like, and that's what that is. It's this forced reminder. I know it does it for me. And so that's, what's just pushing me to get back in there. And then when I get those amazing waves, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just that much better. <laughs> yeah. And, and surf, the special thing I think about surfing is, um, it's one of the only things that, 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 that demands a hundred percent of your attention in that present moment and gives you that flow state that a lot of, um, elite athletes or just athletes in general that you, know, you don't have to be an elite athlete to mm -hmm. experience flow state, but whether you're skiing down a mountain or even a jogger getting, they get that runner's high and they're in that moment, but surfing really, really with the moving water, you know, the board moving, the wave moving and it constantly changing and not knowing, you know, maybe what the wave's going to end up doing. 20 yards ahead of you, it demands, yeah, it demands a hundred percent of your attention and to be present. And I think that's, I think that's why a lot of people fall in love with surfing because it's not only are you in the ocean and everybody wants to become, be it, be in the ocean, I think, but because the ocean's so healing and feels so good and, and it's just something special, special place, but, um, how demanding it is for you to be present. And that's, a lot of other, you know, the, the rest of the day, it's, it's hard to be that present in a lot of things we're doing because it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, demand you to be that present where surfing demands it. Yeah. 
otherwise you 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 fall immediately yeah, it doesn't work any other way and it's also that yeah. um kind of unfiltered connection to that energy when that wave is pushing you mm -hmm. like it's physically pushing you like there's nothing between you that's why sometimes like i just love to just go out and just get kind of beat up body surfing it's just like there's nothing mm -hmm. else there you're just feeling that energy and swim in that drop in and surfing is very similar like it, there's it is literally making it happen you're connected to that energy so so closely that it is mm -hmm. it's it's that like i want that again i i, I really and and to keep that in your life it's all the other things that we talked about you, your nutrition your mobility your strength like you have to maintain those things otherwise this diminishes or completely has to go away and i'll do anything and everything i can that's reasonable to keep it in my life because it's just that powerful yeah definitely i mean just being being connected to nature that's that's a um a very you know unique unique feeling a unique thing that that, that we have with surfing and being a surfer um and then back to like the fitness part i mean especially as you get older it's even more important to have a routine of of stretching and fit and fitness and and, and diet because when you're younger, you can kind of get away with it, depending on your genetics and your genes. Um, but definitely as you get older in life, if you want to maintain um, really good health and be around for your children and be able to keep up with your children and and just to wake up without the you know minimal aches and pains that a lot of people experience because they've neglected a healthy lifestyle it's, it's so important as you move into the older older years of life to um establish a, a routine of of all those things absolutely well jamie thank you so much for being a part of the surf strong show i really appreciate you taking the time to come on today thank you thanks greg appreciate you having me and it was fun uh conversing about uh the things that we're passionate about Absolutely. And we'll have um, all of the um, links and the show notes of, of, of Jamie's uh, Sterling Surf experiences and all the places you can find him on social media. We'll have that in the show notes. And uh, thank you for being uh, on the Surf Strong Show. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Much aloha. Thank you for joining us on the Surf Strong Show. To find out more about the Surf Strong Fit programs and if they're a good fit for you, go to surfstrongfit.com slash programs. You can also direct message me on either Facebook or Instagram where I'm at surfstrongfit. I'm your host, Greg Finch. I'd like to remind you to like, comment, subscribe to this and all of our episodes of the Surf Strong Show wherever you get your podcasts. For all show notes and links that we talk about in the episodes, videos of the podcast, you can go to surfstrongfit.com slash podcast for this and all the past episodes. Thanks for joining us. It really means a lot.